She's a killer queen, gunfire and dynamite with a laser beam, got to blow your mind. Welcome to the 388th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. That was Queen, and this is for the Diva. Happy birthday, Mom. Happy 89th birthday to the Diva. I'm sure everybody out there would uh, send her warm wishes. Go ahead and send an email out or a post on our Facebook page. Um, Happy birthday to the Diva. How do you get to be 89 and still golf two or three days a week and play yoga? Um, one of the first things she said when I changed my practice and I said I'm going to do a nutrition class and teach people how to cook plant-based, she said, you must be crazy to think that you can cook in front of people and talk at the same time. You're going to make a fool out of yourself. And that pretty much sums up the diva. Uh, but then she quickly got on board and helped me out and still helps out in nutrition class and um, is responsible for a lot of the recipes in the plant-based wellness cookbook that Dr. the Dietitian the Diva. So thank you very much. She's always been my biggest supporter and always very honest as far as how things should go and how she sees things. So I appreciate and value her input uh, like you would never believe. But I want to talk to you a little bit about how, again, and if, if I had to say that she is the epitome of how someone gets to be 89 and is doing well um, despite bad genes, so to speak. She was raised by parents that had an eighth, eighth grade education, uh, hardworking. Uh, she went to business school, quickly taught herself um, bookkeeping uh, somewhat on the job, ran my father's business as far as his bookkeeper and was the bookkeeper for an automotive dealership uh, for multiple years and kept house, came home, played in the evening uh, with myself and kids, took care of her house. Um, and, you know, I, I, the story of her life is that she never sits down. People say that I'm busy, but she was always busy as well. I don't remember my mom taking time. Uh, maybe at the very end of the evening, she would sit down on the couch to perhaps watch a show with my dad and I and quickly fall asleep. Um, but she would move up until that, up until that very point. And the first thing, you know, that again, I can remember was running those, you know, going to work when other moms didn't necessarily go to work, come home, make dinner, you know, do the things around the house, entertain me and my, and my friends. Uh, her mom became ill and passed away at age 56. And at that time, her mother ran a bar. Uh, so my mom and dad went down and helped run that bar in the evening. So she would work, take care of the house, and go down and run the bar. There was never a question, it's too much, or I don't have time for, or it's too stressful for. I never heard the word stress actually uttered from either of my parents' mouth. It's what you had to do. Um, things came up, and you handled them. And one thing that she has taught me over the years is that there are always bumps in the road and there are challenges and challenges that need to be handled. And um, there's no better way to handle a challenge than head on, make a decision and go with it and uh, it'll work itself out as you go. 
after her mom passed away, um, my parents um, got a cottage, and so she actually ran two houses, worked for two people, and uh, took care of me and, and ran two houses. And later, she took up golf and ran two houses, took care of uh, my dad and the business and the house and, and, and learned to play golf and played golf well. And as they moved to Florida and they golfed together and had some fun and traveled a little bit during the retirement years, it um, quickly her next job became a nunny. Uh, so she would take care of Addie, our registered dietitian, after school and uh, cook dinner and pick her up, help her with her homework, and um, ran a house, kind of ran two houses, would help me with mine. And then her life uh, took a turn. Uh, my dad got Alzheimer's, and she was his caregiver. It was never, it's too much. Uh, she was his caregiver, and she kept things going. And before long, she also got sick and got lymphoma. And at that time, it wasn't, woe is me. It was, what am I going to do? Because I've got more life to live. And she kept taking care of my dad, and they uh, went through chemo, and that was the time that I got to do the kitchen coup. So up until that time of my life, I was maybe a weekend cook, um, but my mom did most of the cooking during the week, and uh, I became vegan, and I was kind of a nuisance to her because I was trying to eat vegan while she was trying to cook regular food. And again, we didn't eat out very much. It wasn't... Um, bad food, but it was standard American diet food, a piece of meat, uh, chicken, fish, lean red meat, a potato, vegetable, salad, um, but typical with olive oil and, you know, so forth. But when I took over, um, my vegan fare and my plant-based fare um, became what was on the menu. And it was a little bit of a stressful time. Uh, going through chemotherapy and having your palate change at the same time wasn't the best thing. Um, she would say things like, um, it's not bad, I can eat this, or maybe make this again, or don't make that again. And when I got, you know, make this again, I was really excited and, you know, we would run with it. And as she got better from her lymphoma, um, she started making more of the plant-based meals. And I, I do believe that at that time, it, it also rang true to her that eating plant-based helped her. One of the main reasons why I um, kind of did the coup at that point instead of cooking people comfort foods was that bringing meat into the house when somebody's getting chemotherapy brings a lot of bacteria. So the risk of an infection with uh, contaminated meat was on my mind. And so that was the main reason I gave to them. Um, of course, in the background, my reasoning was that plant-based nutrition is going to give her the best chance to heal. My dad was pretty far along. You know, I can't say that it, that it helped him at all. He wasn't necessarily completely true uh, to a plant-based diet, uh, but it was a time in his life where we needed to make him as comfortable as he possibly could. But anyway, after my dad passed and my mom got better from lymphoma, uh, it was a new, a new chapter in her life as a widow. And again, uh, she could have sat down, but she pulled herself up and uh, started golfing in a women's league. She uh, joined a Zumba class, met new friends, started yoga, uh, and has continued to do that. Um, COVID 
was a little bit of a throwback, but uh, not much for her. She was not a shut-in. We traveled to visit Addie. Um, she has, you know, not only been um, a big part of Addie's life, but now she's a big part of Caleb's life. So we continued to travel to Texas during COVID, uh, despite her being 80, 89 years old, 88 years old, I guess, 87, 88. And she continued to visit with her friends. They would go outside and they would golf. Um, and we did yoga in the office uh, after the initial complete shutdown. Uh, and she continued, continued to be busy. Uh, she works around the house. Uh, she makes sure she gets her steps in. She wears a garment. Um, and she's still very active. She makes sure she goes out, um, even if it's to go out shopping, which she loves to do. That's why we call her the, the, the diva. Uh, but she drives her car and goes out several times a week uh, to walk around, uh, get her exercise, get her steps in. Uh, stay active. She is up on the latest music. That's why I played uh, the music that I did on the intro because um, she loves musicals, she loves music, and um, she probably knows more of what's going on in the music world than I do at this point. Not to say that I'm up in the music world at this point. But um, again, I think the, you know, the key to her doing so well is that she keeps moving and she has a positive mental attitude as far as not unrealistic, but what do I need to do next to get me to the next step? Um, she enjoys her friends, her family, and um, that's a driving force. Uh, and I believe she also agrees that eating well um, and eating plant-based, uh, she doesn't use any oil anymore. Uh, she does do a little chocolate, uh, um, but, um, you know, that's what keeps her, the plant-based nutrition adds a lot to her life and, and her immune system and, uh, her overall health. So, you know, I, I couldn't be more proud to have the diva as my mother. And again, I wanted to just say happy birthday, diva. Couldn't do it without you. I want to move on to a study looking at strength, but not muscle mass, being associated with mortality in the Health and Aging and Body Composition Study cohort. It was published in the Journal of Gerontology, and it looked at size of muscle versus strength. And so what they did was in 2,292 people, age 70 to 79, 51% of them were women. They looked at knee extension strength and grip strength. And they also measured the thigh um, muscle area by CT scan. They measured the leg and arm tissue mass by DEXA scan. They adjusted these towards age, race, comorbidities, whether people smoked. Um, they also... Um, looked at physical activity, the fat mass by CT scan or DEXA, as well as height, and they looked at inflammatory markers and CRP and tumor necrosis factors. So those are all signs of inflammation and aging. And what they found over an average of 4.9 years was that quadricep strength and grip strength were highly correlated with Mortality. So over that four and a half year, 4.9 years, there were 286 deaths. And it was not muscle size but, or lean mass, but it was actually the strength. So takeaway from that study basically is, you know, when we, when people go to the gym and they say, um, you're putting on, you know, you're not gaining weight, you're gaining muscle mass, it's probably not 
true um, unless it's over a long period of time. And it's not such that we need to have people put on a significant amount of weight or muscle mass as they get older. And, you know, it's been shown in other studies that being a little bit more lean um, might be more mobile, less, less likely to fall. But nevertheless, um, it's, it's kind of how you use your muscles. So maintaining strength and flexibility and mobility is much more important than trying to, um, you know, put on weight and hoping that some of that weight is muscle. Now, that's not saying that I don't want people to build muscle if they can and do strength training, but the strength training, it's more important to strengthen what you have and maintain what you have than it is to, um, you know, try to get big, especially at an, at an older age. So I thought that was a, a real interesting study. And, and again, when we talked last week a little bit about osteoporosis, um, you know, we know people lose muscle mass and they lose bone mass over time. And, you know, the theory is, you know, how do we build those things back up? But, you know, perhaps maybe we should be focusing more on how do we maintain what we have in a healthier fashion. So by decreasing inflammation in our bodies, which, which would be a reflection of interleukin-6, so again, decreased fat mass would be decreased um, infl inflammatory markers, perhaps. What we eat decreases inflammation, um, decreases tumor necrosis factor alpha, uh, eating a plant-based diet. So decreasing inflammation and in maintaining muscle strength uh, is what we, what we have is probably the, the better way to go. And so even though we may be losing some bone mass and muscle mass, again, it's how you use what you have. And I think that's, that's, that should be very encouraging. And maybe the focus, you know, shouldn't be on gaining muscle, you know, so focused on gaining muscle mass and bone mass with drugs, as opposed to, you know, again, using what you have and using it effectively. So again, I'm you know, very encouraged. I, I think that strength training is a must for everybody. I don't think that um, we have to necessarily worry about um, gaining a whole lot of size over time. I, I have people that are worried about their muscles. And a lot of times when people lose weight, through a plant-based nutrition. They say, oh, I've lost a lot of muscle mass. Well, the reality of it is you haven't lost the muscle mass. You've just lost fat mass. And now you can see that the muscle that you've lost over time or the muscle that never was really there perhaps uh, because it was hidden under the fatty tissue. So don't worry about that. Worry about moving and strengthening and keeping what you have. Getting a well-balanced diet, plant-based diet, low in inflammation, low in oil, um, especially omega-6 fatty acids, um, is going to go to help, um, again, you maintain what you have. So there's, there's no need to go looking for protein powder. Uh, there's no reason to go eating a bunch of empty calories, uh, you know, hauling in the nut butters, hauling in various calories so that you can put weight on or worrying about being lean. Uh, it's about, again, staying strong. We also see the opposite of that when people calorie restrict too much or they, their body mass index goes too low, then they're not getting the nutrient density that they need uh, you know, to maintain 
the muscle mass that they have and to maintain the function of the muscle mass. Part of taking in a good source of carbohydrates is to maintain muscle glycogen. Moving maintains mitochondria, you know, so we, we can use that glucose and glycogen well. The next study that I wanted to talk a little bit about was soy intake. Um, a lot of people come to my office and are afraid to, to eat soy products, soy milk, tofu, because they think there's going to be an increased risk of breast cancer, increased risk of recurrence, or perhaps an increased risk of prostate cancer. And the first thing that I reassure people, and you know, that soy is a phytoestrogen, meaning estrogen receptor blocker. So there's actually decreased estrogen effects, acts more like tamoxifen in some respects than it does estrogen. And if you compare it to dairy, where cows have to be pregnant, there's a high estrogen load and, and a high level of growth factors if, if one consumes dairy versus soy products. So, you know, um, anybody that has breast cancer, the first thing that should be eliminated is all dairy products for sure. But this study looked at soy food intake and breast cancer survival, and it was a large study conducted at Shanghai University. And again, uh, it was the Shanghai Breast Cancer Survival Study. They had 5,042 uh, sur cancer survivors in China that aged from, a, the age range was 20 to 75, and they followed them for about four years. And they looked at and compared um, highest to lowest quartiles or divisions of soy intake by questionnaires over, over the, the use, or over the years. Uh, and they did three interviews at 18, 36, and 60 months after, after the diagnosis. And again, this was a wide range of uh, women that were surgically treated with breast cancer looking at their soy protein intake. And what they noted um, over that period of time, there were 444 deaths. There were 534 recurrences or breast cancer-associated deaths in 5,033 surgically treated people. A lot of times when studies look at the benefits of cancer therapies, they look at time to the disease gets worse uh, or the tumor comes back or death from the primary illness, so death from breast cancer. But most people would agree that if you're looking at death, you'd like to know overall mortality. And so that was one of the good things about the study is they looked at overall death as well as death related to breast cancer or recurrence related to breast cancer because they're not necessarily the same thing at all. And they looked at soy protein in the forms of soy uh, foods and soy milk versus isoflavonoid use. And the biggest result, the more soy that women took in, the less recurrence or death rate from breast cancer. Uh, and the left less overall mortality. So the difference in four years was 10.4 to 7.4% overall mortality and recurrence or death from breast cancer, 11 versus eight. And that was whether people were estrogen receptor positive or negative. So again, there's a wide range of uh, disease severity in this group of, of women as well as age range in the women's. And again, not only is soy a, a phytoestrogen, but it also um, acts on a lot of proteins and enzymes that 
you know, lead to um, a decrease in cancer progression. Um, there's, you know, some DNA changes, inactivations, kinases. Um, it decreases blood flow growth into the tumor. It's also a, an antioxidant, um, and it actually uh, strengthens the immune system. It was interesting in this study that when they looked at the populations of the women, um, you know, there was a decrease in prognosis in, uh, if patients were older at the time of diagnosis, or they obviously had an advanced stage of cancer at the time of diagnosis. Uh, estrogen receptor negativity uh, or, or progestin receptor negativity was associated with a worse prognosis, as was an increased body mass index. Postmenopausal women, again, older, uh, didn't fare as well. Um, decreased education, decreased income, people didn't fare as well. Greater than three pregnancies didn't fare as well. Radiation, of note, was associated with a decrease in overall survival in, um, in, in the population that they looked at. Tamoxifen was associated with an increase um, uh, survival from, or I'm sorry, it was associated with a decrease recurrence or a decrease breast cancer-related death. You know, they, they, when they looked at, um, you know, what people that did well, uh, that ate a lot of soy, they also tended to eat a lot of red meat. They ate a lot of fish. They ate a lot of cruciferous vegetables. Um, they had uh, chemotherapy, radiation. Uh, they drank tea. They actually had... Um, uh, in this higher quartile, actually the BMI was a little bit higher. Uh, they exercised more. They were more likely to take vitamins, but they were less likely to have had radiation therapy. In, they looked at a subgroup of patients that took tamoxifen, and people that had the highest soy intake actually did better if you were taking tamoxifen than if you weren't taking, or then you, I'm sorry, let me say it again. In groups of people that took tamoxifen in this study, the highest soy intake was associated with a better prognosis. However, if you looked at high soy intake, tamoxifen did not add any benefit to overall survival. So, um, you know, soy protein, soy milk uh, was associated with improved outcome. Soy isoflavins, like supplement use, was, was not as strongly associated. So overall takeaway, um, you know, soy is beneficial in survival in the recurrence of breast cancer. And it is beneficial with tamoxifen, uh, in spite of tamoxifen, uh, and better than tamoxifen in high doses. Um, a lot of the women did not have radiation and had a benefit from soy intake. So, you know, when it comes to breast cancer, it's really hard to decide on treatments a lot of times. And there are these paths that we're told that everybody goes down in the strategies that uh, or protocols that people um, need to follow. But it's not necessarily true for everyone. And again, in this study, they did seem to exercise more, but certainly they weren't completely plant-based. Cruciferous vegetables did play a role in the mix. We also know that mushrooms play a role in the mix as far as decreasing breast cancer recurrence. So, you know, soy helped, but there were even more things that these people could perhaps have done to decrease their re recurrence. 
But you know, the, the main point of the study was that soy does not harm people or is something that shouldn't be avoided and actually should be incorporated in cancer treatment and prevention. And I think uh, no matter what therapies people choose, they need to look at their nutrition um, and their body mass index and their exercise. I, I think so much of the time we're made to feel that if we don't follow a certain protocol that we're not doing all that we can and if it fails or if it fails anyway, then we're just, you know, a victim to the disease process. But uh, we, do we, we do and can very much play a role in our overall health, whether it's cancer, cardiovascular disease, by choosing good nutrition. And uh, soy definitely plays a role in that, something not to be avoided. Um, you know, people that say they don't want to take soy proteins or soy in um, often don't reject genetically modified soybean oil that's in junk food or soy products that are genetically modified in other type foods. So, you know, you can bring that up to people that are poo-pooing uh, soy intake. People get bent out of shape over tofu. I think the word's bad, you know, and they think it's it's something with a bad texture. It doesn't taste like anything. But, you know, neither does ricotta cheese unless you season it. Um, if cheese didn't have salt in, people wouldn't eat it. So it's, it's how you season, how you flavor things is what makes them good or bad. But plain old soybeans, um, soy milk is made from soybeans that were cooked uh, and um, you know, the, the, the juice was drained out of them. So this is not something that is, you know, drastically made in a lab. Uh, it's, you know, good old soybeans that, and soybeans are great just cooked by themselves. Uh, they have a nice texture. If you like great northern beans, cooking soybeans also has a similar texture. So uh, and other ways to do soy is in the, in the form of tempeh. So we know that fermented foods is always good for gut health. So try tempeh if you don't like um, tofu. Um, you know, using tofu and making tofu crumbles, uh, seasoning them in Italian seasoning or Mexican seasoning, you can add to burritos. Uh, you can make tofu crumbles uh, with mushrooms and put it in sauces. So there's so many things you can do with soybean soy products uh, that, that can help yourself. So uh, don't be afraid to incorporate those um, products. And we know that... Um, you know, from the China study way back when that, you know, Chinese women that lived in rural China that ate vegetables, white rice, soy most days, did much better uh, with regards of uh, cancer prevention, breast cancer prevention, than those that ate um, and consumed more meat products. So, again, don't worry so much about soy intake. Worry about the other things uh, that you can do to make life better. So the take-home messages from today's podcast is move, don't sit down, keep, keep moving, keep active, um, keep expanding your horizons, try something new, try a different exercise. This month our wellness challenge involves kettlebells, so Addie's giving us a different kettlebell exercise every uh, day, which is uh, a lot of fun. But try something new, try Pilates, try yoga, try you know, uh, various sports. You're never too old to start running. Uh, there are more and more people that are setting more and more records at speed uh, for, for running and exercise. So um, don't be inhibited by your age. Don't be inhibited by 
osteoporosis or artificial joints because the best way to make those joints better and more mobile is to use them. Uh, saving yourself uh, will only cause deterioration, so to speak. Plan your menus. Um, tonight we had cauliflower, yellow squash, quinoa, fresh tomatoes from the, the garden, and mushrooms. I try to incorporate mushrooms several times a week into our uh, menu. Uh, we made pizza in class. Uh, that was a surprise for, for people. Uh, I made the dough using my starter. Uh, made the sauce out of just no salt added tomatoes um, and a little tomato paste and seasonings and we did mushrooms and peppers and artichokes but load the veggies up on the pizza people are afraid to eat uh, bread you know uh, with a pizza crust but if you make your own you don't have any oil in there and it's loaded with veggies uh, and you have a big salad with it it's a it's a great uh, dinner to have it's you know it's the other pizzas that are full of oil and cheese that that cause the problem um, but everybody really enjoyed, enjoyed that. We did our um, gnocchi with cabbage and sauerkraut and tomatoes this, uh, this week as well. I added mushrooms in, into that. Um, that's a go-to dish. We kind of call it cabbage unrolled to some degree, but uh, add a little gnocchi in there with uh, steamed cabbage. Add the sauerkraut in there. gives a little tang. I like to add some hot peppers to my tomatoes. Um, to, to give a little zing. I uh, gave a little bit more zing last night than um, the diva was expecting, but nevertheless, it was, it was good. And added uh, some great northern beans to that for a different kick, but you can add different white beans. You could even add tofu to that if you like. Or uh, make tofu crumbles and add to that. So there's a, diff a lot of different varieties on, on that theme. But again, I try to get um, definitely get a green in every day, so some sort of cruciferous uh, vegetables a lot of the days of the week. But I definitely want my nitric oxide producing greens, whether it's cabbage, cauliflower, uh, broccoli, broccolini, um, kale, some, one of those uh, spinach, arugula uh, into my day. Uh, usually a large salad at lunch, maybe some leftovers. But that's, um, that's in, in fruit um, throughout the day, certainly a lot of fruit for breakfast and usually fruit after my meals. So it, it comes to, you know, if you can plan dinner, you have a breakfast that my breakfast doesn't really vary much. Um, lunch, again, usually has that big green salad to make sure I've got in a lot of greens at, at lunchtime, but I also want some greens at dinner uh, to go along with um, my other entree. Um, we usually have a bean uh, or some uh, tofu uh, in, in the evening, but tonight we had just quinoa again, with the, uh, which is a you know a, a fairly packed protein seed, as well as the you know um, having the vegetables. So it was it was plenty. Next up for me is the Lidville Marathon, um, and that is in the second week of June. So I'm training for that, adding my heels in, hills in. So besides doing the strength work, uh, I'm trying to do a couple uh, hill, some hill repeats on the treadmill as well as going outside. We don't have any hills here in Florida, up and uh, or where I live, um, with the exception of a few little overpass bridges that don't really give you much. So uh, treadmill it is, and I'm trying to practice my breathing. So. Um, uh, I want to practice running through, uh, breathing through my nose when I run as much as possible. A uh, little, some breath work uh, at rest when I have a chance between patients to do a little breath work, some breath holds to uh, 
try to, to you know, keep my diaphragm in shape because I think when I get at altitude, I'm going to be breathing a little harder than I, than I am here in sea level. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. It is not that far away from next March. Um, believe it or not. So if you would like to run a marathon with us, the Treasure Coast Marathon next March, um, you need to get that training going, especially if you're going couch to marathon. Um, but it's very, very doable. And so if you'd like to train for a marathon uh, and train with us, uh, check, in, check that out. Uh, March Treasure Coast Marathon in Stewart, Florida. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing to put on your calendar to start to train for. Um, set up, you know, train some 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. But if you'd like to work with us, uh, feel free to give us an email. Uh, you can check out the website at drdelaney.com or go over to jamie at drdelaney.com uh, to see how you could uh, get involved. We love to hear from you. Love to hear um, any questions that you have. And uh, I'm going to go do some kettlebell exercises and get ready to celebrate the diva's birthday on Friday. Next up will be our registered dietitian, Addie Delaney Minerich's birthday. And then next up will be Caleb James' second birthday. So this is the birthday month in our house. And we look forward to celebrate each and every one. And um, I hope this finds you all happy and healthy. Go eat some greens. Eat your soy. Swing a kettlebell. Thanks for listening.